Kia this is The Detail, I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. Today, impeachment. The whistleblower, the phone call and the Ukrainian leader. The president has admitted to asking the president of Ukraine to take actions which would benefit him politically. I'm directing our six committees to proceed with their investigations under that umbrella of impeachment inquiry. The president must be held accountable. No one is above the law. Since the Speaker Nancy Pelosi made the announcement three weeks ago, Trump has been raging back. They're pursuing an illegal, invalid and unconstitutional impeachment. It's a story with so many daily twists and turns, it's hard to keep up. Here are just a few headlines from yesterday. White House scrambles to slow impeachment. Top diplomats testify. Giuliani defies congressional subpoena. There's even an impeachometer. Given everything that's happened this week, we're firing up the day six impeachometer for another reading. We are tracking the odds that Donald Trump's presidency will end in impeachment. At the centre of the scandal is a phone call that Trump made in July this year to the new Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky. We're going to begin with breaking news because lawmakers have just read what's in a whistleblower's complaint that includes a call between the president and Ukraine's leader. The details of the call have been revealed in a rough transcript that was released by the White House itself. The contents are astonishing. Shows President Trump repeatedly urged Ukraine's leader to work with Attorney General William Barr and the president's personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, to investigate Joe Biden and his son. But just as astonishing is that this was no private phone call between two leaders. It wasn't a private conversation. Probably 20 people were listening and they were all alarmed. Harold Hongju Ko is a law professor at Yale, but for 10 years he worked as a legal advisor to the US government under the Reagan, Clinton and Obama administrations. And then some people were so alarmed that they immediately tried to put the conversation onto a super classified server. That's a measure of how worried they were by what they were hearing. You know, the president is committing a crime. Professor Ko should know about these phone calls. I was in the State Department for seven years, and I read the transcripts of hundreds of phone calls between the President of the United States and a foreign leader. And those calls are entirely pleasantries. Nothing important is ever really discussed. But the idea of asking someone, I'd like you to get some dirt on my political opponent to influence the election with foreign information would be so shocking that if I heard it, I would do a whistleblower complaint myself. So when you say 20 people were probably listening, would that be typical for a phone call like that? Oh, yes. But, you know, the in the U.S. government, the president would have a sheet of paper in front of him with maybe 15 bullet points, and he would or she would walk through those points. And those points would have been reviewed by 100 people. Trump is notorious for just saying whatever comes into his mind. And this is clearly uppermost in his mind. What do you know about what happened in this situation? Did he have a scheduled phone call with the Ukrainian president? Yeah, the normal thing would be to say, congratulations on your electoral win. We support Ukraine. Our support for you against Russian overreaching by Putin is unconditional. It's continued from the Democrats to the Republicans, and we'll give you a couple days to get settled in. 
and then we hope we can cooperate through our ambassador in Ukraine, Marie Ivanovich. That's what he should have said. Instead, he said, I've got a favor, work with my private attorney, Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> it couldn't be more shady or bizarre. Who would be amongst those 20 people listening in on that phone call? Well, we, we know that Mike Pompeo, Secretary of State, was on the call uh, listening. Breaking uh, new information, Brianna, the Wall Street Journal reported earlier this afternoon, and our colleague Jamie Gangel is confirming that Secretary of State Mike Pompeo was on that phone call that the president had with the president of Ukraine back in July. So the Secretary of State was on a call where a president asks another president to do him a favour and dig some dirt on his political opponent. But Pompeo wasn't the only one listening. The State Department Operations Centre, the Ukraine desk, the Ukraine aid people, the Defence Department people who have military alliance with Ukraine, CIA, people from the National Security Council... And, yeah, these are not big news. You know, it's just, uh, hello, how are you? Congratulations. Uh, Hope to see you soon. And let's work through official channels to set something up. Mm. But, you know, I want a favor from you, though. That sends off alarm bells. And talk to my private lawyer. That sets off alarm bells. And get dirt on the son of my political opponent. That sets off alarm bells. So even if you just read the transcript at face value, you understand why the whistleblower immediately was alarmed and went into action. And if you were put in that situation, I mean, when you were working there, would you have been one of these people listening into the president's phone call? Well, it depends on whether I'd worked on that country. I'd listened in on any number of phone calls, but uh, they were ones in which I had either just been to the country or I was going in a week or something like that. Have you ever been put in a situation where you felt that you needed to either make a complaint or raise an issue about something that you'd heard? No. I work for Democrats and Republicans, and um, I never thought that the people that I was working with or for were either violating the law or oblivious to the law. But we're living in a different world here. Under Trump. Well, here's a person who seems to have very little or no respect for the rule of law and um, is openly contemptuous and also reads the Constitution as giving himself unlimited power, which is not true. But the details of that conversation were so disturbing that they produced a whistleblower. We're going to begin with breaking news because lawmakers have just read what's in a whistleblower's complaint that includes a call between the president and Ukraine's leader. More soon on how the whistleblower put not only their career but their life at risk. But first we need to go back to 2014 when Hunter Biden, the son of Democrat candidate Joe Biden, took a paid position on the board of a Ukrainian natural gas company called Burisma. The owner was under investigation over corruption claims. If Hunter Biden did something wrong, he should be investigated by um, U.S. government sources. But what isn't appropriate is for his father's political opponent to ask a foreign government to launch that kind of investigation. Calling upon a foreign power to intervene in his election. This is a breach of his constitutional responsibilities. I mean, this is a very simple issue. The, The only issue is... When Americans vote for their leader, is the only thing that counts the votes of Americans, or is it actually being influenced by foreign governments? Mm. Now, in the Mueller report, Trump said, I didn't collude with a foreign government. 
But here we have in a transcript that he released that he actually asked them to collude. Mr. Trump said there's a lot of talk about Biden's son and a lot of people want to find out about that. So whatever you can do with the attorney general would be great. He said, I have a favor to ask, though, which is essentially if you do this investigation for me, I will let you have a meeting at the White House. And so it's a quid pro quo. Uh, That's a requested collusion. Uh, That's a privatization of foreign policy and surrendering of an election process that's supposed to be democratic to foreign influences. The whistleblower who shed light on the call in a formal complaint was concerned about a violation of campaign finance laws that prohibit foreign entities from providing donations or another thing of value to candidates. Justice Department prosecutors determined Mr. Trump did not break those laws. The call log does not mention the nearly $400 million in military aid the president froze just days before the conversation, which Democrats argue was a bargaining chip. The whistleblower did a tremendous amount of work, got their facts organized, talked to a lot of people, and presented essentially a legal brief in the correct legal form, and is a very good and clear writer and did a made a remarkably clear presentation. You're making an accusation against the President of the United States, you want to be wrong. And that's obviously a a huge step to take, the whistleblower, to be one of these people presumably listening in and then to file a complaint. You're, You're putting your career at jeopardy at a minimum and maybe your physical safety. Really? Your physical safety? Well, who knows? I mean, there are private operatives who are working on this, um... Who knows who these people are? If if private people are being enlisted in this, you know, who knows what could happen? I'm sure the whistleblower was and is extremely afraid, but they took a very bold step. In a sign of growing frustration that he faces the real prospect of impeachment, President Trump is demanding to find out the identity of the administration official who blew the whistle on his phone call with the leader of Ukraine about Joe Biden. Well, we're trying to find out about a whistleblower. We have a whistleblower that reports things that were incorrect. Yeah, so the Whistleblower Protection Act is precisely so that if someone who's on the inside sees something that they think might be criminal behavior, that they can report it, express their concern, and have it be investigated without their own job or safety being threatened. So the very idea of the Whistleblower Protection Act is supposed to be that such individuals are protected and that their identities aren't revealed. So in Trump calling for the identity of the whistleblower, he is by his very nature shows that he doesn't understand what the act is for. But at this point, the whistleblower complaint, which has been entirely verified by other information, is pretty much superseded. We now have a transcript that came out of Trump's own mouth and that he's authenticated, which says exactly what the whistleblower reported. And that he asked a favor of Zelensky as a condition for doing what Zelensky wanted. So it was a trade. Remember that back in the 80s, we had something called the Iran-Contra affair, where the claim was that uh, we would trade arms for hostages. Mm. Well, here they're trading arms for dirt on uh, someone's political opponent.
So Trump wanted Ukraine, the president or his people, to investigate Hunter Biden, and in return he would give them arms? He would give them the javelin missiles that Zelensky had requested. Now, he didn't actually promise to give the missiles. He just said, I need you to do this favor first. But the most disturbing thing is that this is exactly what the Mueller report charged should happen in 2016. He invited the Russians to get dirt on Hillary Clinton for the purpose of defeating Hillary Clinton at the polls. He actually lost by three million votes, but won very narrowly in the Electoral College. In fact, it was the day after the Mueller report cleared him, he made this call, thinking I'm scot-free, so uh, I'll do it again. So um, he was emboldened by the fact that he had not been held accountable previously. This is huge. Donald Trump is accused of holding back military aid approved by Congress for Ukraine unless they helped him dig up dirt on Joe Biden, which, if true, would be devastating. It's an abuse of power, it's extortion, and maybe worst of all, it's asking a foreign country to meddle in America's election. Yeah, which is the one thing that if you were Donald Trump, you should stay away from, (laughs) right? Because they'd just beaten the Russia case. I was actually reading your recent article on this. It's great, you explain what is impeachment. You said the Constitution basically says that president, vice president and all civil officers of the United States can be removed upon Senate conviction for treason, bribery or other high crimes and misdemeanours. So where would the charge against President Trump fit into this? They're probably working on four charges. You have to remember that Richard Nixon, they actually drafted articles of impeachment. The three were abuse of power, obstruction of justice, and contempt of Congress. And all three have arisen again here. There's a claim of abuse of foreign policy power for private purposes, contempt of Congress by refusing to obey subpoenas, and obstruction of justice, namely hiding this information and covering up. There was another article that wasn't voted out, which is abuse of foreign affairs authorities. The claim back in the 70s was that Richard Nixon had secretly bombed Cambodia. Here's the claim is that Trump has repeatedly used foreign policy to serve his private purposes. So the two-stage process is first, the House has to draw up these articles of impeachment based on its research and investigation. That's what they're doing now. The Speaker of the House has asked that this be done before the end of the year. So my guess would be that by Christmas time, you'd have a resolution of impeachment with somewhere between one and four articles. The first article, which is simply the solicitation of this action, is factually unquestioned. I mean, it's there in black and white. Even if the transcript was not altered or otherwise inaccurate. And there are some suggestions that it's actually been truncated. The average phone call of that length to a foreign leader is 20 minutes longer. So like in Watergate, there's a 20-minute gap. And the question is, somewhere in the U.S. government is floating around the original transcript, and when we find it, there might be more information. It would go over to the Senate side sometime in the beginning of the new year, and the Senate would have a trial in which case the question would be first, do they dismiss the charges? And second, um, would it be voted by two-thirds? And my guess would be that some members of the Republican Senate would vote 
But at the same time, the political process is playing out. And I think all eyes should be on somebody like Mitt Romney, who ran for president. Because if he were to come out and say, I think it's time for Trump to go, I'll run for president, then the Republicans have to decide whether their better bet is to stick with Trump or to switch horses. Um, So even if they don't end up convicting him, he would be stained by this whole episode. Is there any likelihood that he would go before it gets to the conviction stage? Well, who knows what's going on in this man's mind. Nixon uh, lost the tapes case at the U.S. Supreme Court unanimously, and then three members of his own party, led by former presidential candidate Barry Goldwater, went to him and told him, you have no political support left, so he resigned. That's possible that would happen, but, you know, Trump is a person who's known to fight to the end. And he's also got the problem that if he leaves office, he could be pursued for criminal violations. So he probably doesn't want to give up his presidential immunity. The Democrats' brazen attempt to overthrow our government will produce a backlash at the ballot box, the likes of which they have never, ever seen before in the history of this country. They know they can't win the 2020 election. So they're pursuing the insane impeachment witch hunt. I've been going through it now. I've been going through it now for more time than I've been in office. The do-nothing Democrat extremists have gone so far left that they believe it should not be a crime to cross our border illegally, and it should be a crime to have a totally appropriate, casual, beautiful, accurate phone call with a foreign leader. I don't think so. The thing is, I think a lot of people here in New Zealand anyway just think, why is it this particular case that has got to the impeachment inquiry stage when there are a lot of things that President Trump has done over his three years that seem to be just as dodgy? Well, that's a totally fair point. But, you know, somehow the idea of actually soliciting a foreign leader to get dirt on your political opponent and to have the determinant of election be a foreign government and not the people of the United States is crossing the line for many people. And this is not one that he can deny. The shocking part is he considers the phone call to be perfect. As you know, and you probably now have figured it out, uh, the statement I made to the president of Ukraine, a good man, a nice man, knew uh, was perfect. He keeps saying that over and over again. But you just look at it, and Zelensky asks him, will we do this? And then the president says, you do me a favor, though. President Trump also told Zelensky to speak to his personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani. I will have Mr. Giuliani give you a call, and I am also going to have Attorney General Barr call, and we will get to the bottom of it. Suppose that in New Zealand, the U.S. ambassador, Scott Brown, is doing business through official channels, and then Trump sends his private lawyer and some henchmen to work for him over, and then they're doing a whole different set of activities to find out negative information about one of his electoral opponents. Obviously, Scott Brown and the official process, diplomatic process, would say, what about us? This is the privatization of foreign policy. Everything is supposed to run through official channels and be subject to 
parliamentary or legislative oversight. And that's exactly what they're avoiding by having this being done by these shady characters. The FBI arrested these two Soviet-born American citizen businessmen last week on federal campaign corruption charges, just a few hours after those two men had lunch at a Trump hotel with Rudy Giuliani, a man who has essentially taken on the role of the president's fixer. And Giuliani admits he was pushing for a Biden probe in Ukraine, the very thing the House may impeach on. It seems like it's a... It's fiction, doesn't it? Well, I think he got his hand caught in the cookie jar. I mean, I think people suspected that he was doing this. I think he became more and more brazen. Uh, I think he thought he would never get caught. And um, he sort of got rid of his various advisors and started ignoring all advice. I like your phrase, will Ukraine gate become Trump's Watergate? And I think the big question will be, does it get to the point where Trump decides to go before it gets to the bitter end? And that's where some of it turns on whether he has any sense of shame, which he may not. So, you know, we've never had a president who's ready to dig in until the very last second. So it'll be an interesting thing to observe. Finally, here's what the comedians are saying. Then this afternoon, the White House sent an eight-page letter to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. It was a very formal letter, hardly any hashtags. And the letter said that the impeachment inquiry was unfair and illegitimate and that the Trump administration cannot be expected to participate in it. So that's a will not attend. Got it? (laughs) Trump says he's not going to participate. I don't think this is how it works. This is an impeachment inquiry, not an office potluck. Like... Now, the letter is full of absolutely bonkers arguments, telling the Democratic leadership, you have denied the president the right to cross-examine witnesses. The witness is Trump's incriminating phone transcript, which he released. If he wanted to, he could cross-examine himself. Where was I on the night of the phone call? <laughs> I was on the phone. Aha! Uh-huh. Well, let me ask you this. If that's the case, did you get any dirt on Joe Biden? That's the detail for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz, made possible by the RNZ NZ On Air Innovation Fund. Hit the subscribe button to stay across the detail every day. And if you're on Apple, please leave a rating as it helps other listeners find us. This episode was engineered by Jeremy Veal and produced by Alexia Russell. Kakite anō.